This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to be joined by a brilliant leader who's had a brilliant career. We're joined today by Dr. Dan Hyman. Dan currently serves as the Chief Safety and Quality Officer at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. He's previously been at Children's Hospital Colorado and New York Press, some of the best systems in the country. And of course, CHOP is one of the premier pediatric hospitals, children's hospitals in the nation. Dr. Hyman, can you take a moment and introduce yourself and tell us a bit about yourself and your background and about Stratomatic football? <laughs> wow, you really uh, did some research. <laughs> well, that's great, Scott. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, yeah, my name is Dan Hyman. I am uh, privileged to serve as the Chief Safety and Quality Officer at Children's Hospital Philadelphia, which uh, everyone knows lovingly as CHOP. Um, I'm a pediatrician by training. I actually did my pediatric residency at CHOP uh, at the beginning of my career and now here um, towards the end of it. And, uh, you know, the work that I do is all focused on uh, making our, helping to make our, our health system uh, a better place for patients and families to receive care and a better place for us all to provide that care. Uh, I don't know what you want me to say about Stratomatic football. That's going back to my teenage years. Uh, it was a hobby that a good friend of mine and I you know, used to get together and uh, play Stratomatic football. And uh, I guess I learned some skills doing that, managing the league and uh, doing mimeographing. And I haven't thought about that in a very long time. So that, thanks for that memory. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. You know, certain people are always um, leaders. And at that point, you were sort of the junior Pete Rosell, and and now in in physician practice. Talk a little bit about. I won't, I won't talk to you too much about the assistant commissioner of Stratomatic football back in the seventies. We'll, we'll let that go. But that is just fun and a fun fact. But but talk to us about the transition from pediatrician. Uh, yeah. You know, early on in your career, it seems like you were truly a practicing pediatrician. You'll always be a pediatrician in, into right. leadership and and at great systems. You know, the New York Press at, at Colorado Children's Hospital, Colorado now at Chop. Yeah. Talk a little bit yeah. about those different stints and the transition from being an acting or practicing pediatrician to leadership, and what was that? What that was like, and, and how much more enjoyable that made your career in the long run. Yeah, and I get asked this question frequently by people who are in uh, primarily in clinical practice and wondering about a transition into leadership. And it happened very organically. It was not at all by design. I was, uh, you know, I used to joke that I had been practicing general pediatrics in a community group practice uh, just outside Philadelphia. And about seven or eight years into my practice, um, I learned about quality uh, and quality improvement. Um, my practice was one of 20 that was selected to participate actually in the first improvement collaborative that the American Academy of Pediatrics ran. It was called HIPPO, which stood for helping, Pedi helping improve pediatric practice outcomes and was focused on improving asthma care in our offices. And I really got infected by the quality improvement bug doing that collaborative and realizing that, you know, you can do really great work in one exam room at a time, but uh, thinking about the system of care delivery gives us the opportunity to improve care uh, on a more macro basis. And uh, my career really transitioned from there. I continued to practice for another six years in my practice and then in my roles in New York and Colorado um, uh, doing hospital leadership, I did inpatient care.
But uh, the transition was all about looking at um, larger and larger systems of care delivery and recognizing that the current state is just that. It's the status quo, and it can always be improved. And using the tools of quality improvement and the theories of patient safety and reliability, that we can make care better. Uh, and so I very organically transitioned from uh, just doing only doing clinical practice uh, into roles that involve health system leadership. And it's been incredibly gratifying to do it in, as you mentioned, some really outstanding institutions. Thank you so much, Dr. Hyman. When you look at the big issues in pediatrics today, in children's hospitals, children's health, is it shortages of specialists? Is it behavioral health? Those issues, what issues, what three to five issues are top of mind for you today in, in the children's health world? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would think about this, you know, I guess from two lenses. One is, I don't know, what are the main priorities from the lens as a safety and quality officer and the other as, you know, one of the people that uh, helps with our larger health system issues. And, you know, you mentioned workforce and behavioral health. I'll start with those. Uh, they are certainly top of mind for us. Um, coming out of the pandemic, there have been incredible stressors on the people that are delivering care. You know, the whole health sector is having financial challenges, which, you know, I'm fortunate that CHOP, you know, is a strong organization, um, but all health systems are uh, trying to figure out how do we make sure that we support our workforce, that we're able to recruit and retain the best people uh, because we can't do the work that we do um, providing, you know, exceptional life-saving care to kids and, and support to families without a strong workforce. Uh, the behavioral health challenges uh, have been increasing in child health uh, and in the adult world as well, I know. You know, there frequently are not the resources available in terms of places for kids to go who need help. And uh, they often are staying inside acute care children's hospitals when they would be better, better served in facilities that are focused on behavioral health care. So those are two really important issues. Um, generally in patient safety, we have not finished the work that we need to do in eliminating harm from healthcare. And I'm excited about the work that we're doing, pivoting to more proactive safety that we're doing in collaboration with the children's hospitals across the country. And then the other thing I would mention is um, health equity is really central to what we are thinking about. It's been you know, too long that we've recognized that there are health disparities that worsen the outcomes for kids. I mean, for adults as well, and by focusing intentionally on the reasons for those health disparities, we are, I think, you know, finally going to make progress on that. And uh, we have a Center for Health Equity at CHOP that uh, is, along with some of our community programs uh, and community-based organizations, working to address those issues as well. Um, and then actually, one other thing I would add is that we know that digital tools and artificial intelligence are going to change the way we do all of our work, and we are trying to figure that out uh, uh, at this point as well. So those are some of the big, big trends that are happening. And so one other question, in terms of diseases, viruses, disease states, are there specific things that are popping up? I know in adults, there's been a surge in, for example, pancreatic cancer, and it's likely to be the second leading cause of cancer deaths by 2030 or so. Are there specific areas that are hitting alarm bells on the children's side that, you know, that might have 
become more like that in the recent years that you're thinking about more than you used to? I would say that um, I mean, there's not a new thing like pancreatic cancer. Uh, the challenges of childhood obesity and its related secondary issues like diabetes are uh, certainly increasing over time. You know, we talked about the increase in behavioral health challenges for kids. You know, those are all things that are newer on our agenda. Um, but, you know, obesity, violence, behavioral health, uh, those are really the big three. No, it, it, thank you very, very much. And then I guess the last question I have for you is, what are like two questions, of course. What are you most excited about this year? What are you most focused and excited about this year? And then I'll ask you, what advice? You've had this magnificent career of transition from practicing physician to leadership. What advice for emerging leaders? So I'll, I'll give you those in order. What are you most focused on and excited about this year? And then we'll talk about advice for emerging leaders. Um, yeah, so I, I'm really excited. Our, our strategic plan for safety and quality at CHOP is organized around improving clinical outcomes, improving safety and safety culture, and improving health equity. And there's exciting work happening in each of those three domains. Uh, clinical outcomes have been have not been as focused on, haven't gotten the visibility that safety work has nationally. And we are, I think, leading work at CHOP to identify specific clinical conditions, measure our effectiveness in achieving the best outcomes we can for kids in those conditions, addressing the health disparities that occur, and doing it, you know, using the same measurement and improvement strategies that we've been doing in safety for 20 years. And that's really exciting work that's engaging, uh, you know, people across our organization in medicine and surgery and behavioral health, um, you know, all around. Uh, so that's really exciting. Um, I'm always excited about work that we're doing in harm prevention and safety culture. Uh, I mentioned the pivot to proactive safety. I'll just say quickly that and it's, a, it's an hour lecture, but we've always been focused on looking back at the harm that occurred, trying to understand why and fixing the reasons why harm happens. Now what we're doing, and um, we're fortunate to be part of a national safety collaborative with about 140 other children's hospitals in the United States and Canada called Solutions for Patient Safety. And we are all working on how do we look forward to design our systems to not allow the harm to happen in the first place rather than fix a problem that occurred uh, in the past. And that's called safety two or proactive safety. And that is really exciting and promising work. Um, and then uh, equity I mentioned um, is just so motivating. You know, people really recognize that we haven't done enough at, of the six domains of quality that the uh, Institute of Medicine, now the National Academy, Academy of Medicine identified more than 20 years ago, equity really didn't get as much attention as it needed to. And that's been recognized. And I think the, the work that we're doing uh, in our community with our Center for Health Equity is really promising. And uh, so I'm excited about all of that. I'm excited about the results that we're achieving, reductions in infections, reductions in hospital-acquired harm, better outcomes. So it's all really exciting. No, fantastic. And, and Dan, I think when I see the Stratomatic football on the, you know, the LinkedIn <laughs> you know, your profile that you must've grown up in Baltimore or something like that, like the guys in diner. But I, but I, I would be curious to know where you did grow up, what part of the country. Um, and, and then the next question is what advice for leaders? Yeah. So I grew up outside New York city on Long Island. 
uh, not Baltimore. I, I was in walking distance to the Nassau Coliseum and used to go see New York Islanders games from the rafters for $3. Uh, and uh, Phenomenal. Uh, the, Mike Bossy, the, the, the Islanders and so forth, phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. So advice to oh, leaders, awesome. I guess – I, I would I would offer three ideas. Um, the first is what our responsibility is to the people that we are supporting as leaders. The second is what we need to uh, think about for ourselves. And third, uh, how we can have the greatest impact on uh, in our work. Um, I always tell people uh, that. Our first job as a leader is to support the people doing the work of the front line. They're the ones who are responsible for delivering the outcomes we're trying to achieve, for providing the patient family experience. They have the hardest jobs, um, and our role is to be there to support them. Uh, and we should never forget that. Appreciating and recognizing the work that they do, asking them what the issues are that challenge them, uh, and then helping them to to solve those problems and recognizing that they're the ones who have the answers, uh, you know, almost all the time. It's not the leader. It's the frontline caregiver who knows how to solve the problems that they're facing. Um, second, um, we have to take care of ourselves uh, in order to be able to support others. Uh, whatever you need to do uh, to, to have personal resiliency um, is what you should do, because then you can show up for uh, your your family, you can show up for the people that, that work for you. You have to take care of yourself. And then in terms of um, leading the work, uh, leading work in, in hospitals, what I've learned requires a strategy that runs from the bedside all the way to the board. Um, I've been so fortunate in the roles that I've had to have uh, boards of directors and quality committees of boards that uh, and, and executive management teams in the hospitals who were committed to providing the best care that we can for our patients and families and taking that support, um, partnering with others in leadership, and then supporting the medical directors and the nursing leaders and everyone else through the system that uh, that helps people at the front line to deliver the care is our strategy. And so thinking about constant um, improvement uh, and engaging everyone from bedside to board uh, is the thing that makes leadership work really gratifying and uh, and as impactful as it can be. Dr. Hyman, I want to thank you for joining us today. What a magnificent career. Thank you for joining us today on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. What a pleasure. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks, to help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Mm -hmm.